Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Join us today as we explore the word-giving, insightful solutions for day-to-day living. We pray this message encourages you throughout your day. You can also visit www.thrivechurch.me. Now, on to today's message. How are we doing this morning? All right. Uh, today, just to let you know, we will have our kickoff of our 90-day tithe challenge. If you've uh, liked that on Facebook or wanted to participate in that 90-day tithe challenge, make sure you visit our Connection Center and put your card in the basket for that. I'm excited. I had a guy approach me this morning and um, said, Pastor, I have good news. He said, my wife and I have, have never tithed before. My wife was in need of a job. We decided to start doing it. The very week we started, we walked into a place and she got a job on the spot. And um, and, and just it's amazing what God does when we put, give God. God the first and give God the best. And so I just want to encourage you with that. If you want to make sure you sign up over there. And I'm excited to be teaching this month with you on the Habakkuk series. We're going to do a three-week series in the book of Habakkuk. And I guarantee there's not many of you who open up your devotions in the morning and you look at Habakkuk, right? I guarantee none of you are like studying Habakkuk in-depthly. So we're going to look at the book of Habakkuk and really dig in deep to that. If you can, go ahead and turn your copy of God's Word to Habakkuk chapter 1. It's Old Testament. If you need to use the table of contents, that's totally cool. And really today I want to open up with this and ask you this question. Have you ever asked this question to God or to somebody or to yourself? God, how are you letting and why are you letting someone this evil get away with this? God, why are you letting evil happen in the earth? At some point in time, whether it was personally or whether it was um, something corporately with a nation, we've asked that question. We've either questioned God, questioned ourselves, or questioned somebody else about that. And Habakkuk, the whole driving uh, question of this book is this question. Uh, When people say they don't believe the Bible, ask them do they believe history. Because this is all we're looking at today is history. We're going to look at a time in history when the children of Israel, God's chosen people around 2,600 years ago, were actually taken and enslaved, first of all, by Assyria. So Assyria was very wicked, right? Totally wicked. Remember the days of Jonah, the Nineveh folks? Very wicked. And so Assyria captures Israel. They they rape the women. They beat their, their, their children. They kill the men. And they take them from Israel into Assyria, leaving Israel desolate. They destroyed the temple. It was terrible. Well, not only did it get worse, but as Israel prayed, guess what happened? Babylon shows up. So they're enslaved out of their country, millions of them. And Babylon shows up and they defeat Assyria. Sounds pretty good, right? Not good. Babylon, the Babylonians were worse than the Assyrians. I mean, the Babylonians made Nazi Germany look like schoolgirls. I mean, they totally make Islamic terrorists look like junior varsity. And so they take over God's chosen people. They're enslaving them. They're beating them. Treating them bad. And the whole time Israel has this promise from God that they will inherit the promised land. They will have these promises. This will happen. And Habakkuk looks at the situation of his nation. He looks at the situation of what's going on. And he was a prophet of God. You had kings, prophets, and priests. The three big dudes in Israel in the Old Testament. And the, and the prophet Habakkuk looks and his question is, God, why are you letting this happen? You promised us. We're your chosen people. You have promises in Scripture. And as I look around, I don't see you to be involved in any of this. Where are you, God? 
And today's big idea is really driven around that one question is, what do you do when it seems like God is not involved in your situation? What do you do when it seems like God is not involved in your situation? That's what's Habakkuk's problem. God, where are you? All this evil's happening. Maybe there's a time in your life financially. Maybe you took the tithe challenge at church. Maybe you were going to Financial Peace University small groups. Maybe you were doing everything correctly. And you probably asked the question, why is it that we're struggling, but my friends who don't serve God, my friends who don't do anything for God, they're blessed materialistically. Why is it that my friends get all these cool things and promotions and raises and I'm doing it right and nothing's happening? God, where are you in this? Have you ever asked that question before? Maybe in your life there was a time when maybe you dealt with a sickness or ailment or you had a loved one that dealt with a sickness or ailment. And you were sitting there looking, watching everybody else get healed, hearing the healing testimonies. And you look, you're like, God, why aren't you healing me? And then, then, then you look at your, your loved ones. I watched my mom shrivel up and die of cancer. The strongest woman I knew. And I'm sitting there, it's like, God, where are you in this? I've, I know of your healing power. Where are you? Some of you in 2016 or maybe even earlier faced a situation in your relationships. Maybe it was a marriage that ended. Maybe it was a child that went AWOL. And you're asking God, I'm praying, I'm seeking you, I'm doing all I can. God, why are you not involved? It seems like you're nowhere to be found. And really that was Habakkuk's problem. He felt the same way about his current situation with the children of Israel. As a matter of fact, in Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 2 and 3, he kind of asked the question, why doesn't God seem fair? Why doesn't God seem fair? I want you to look at these verses here. And listen to what, what, what Habakkuk says. He says, How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? See, that's what I love about the Bible. There's some real people in there, right? I know y'all are so holy, you got your halos glowing, and if we turn the lights off, you would glow in the dark, because you never question God. But there's times in our life that Habakkuk, we feel just like that, right? How long will I cry and you don't listen? Or cry out to you violence, but you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong, God? See, his very name, Habakkuk, meant to wrestle or embrace. So he was literally wrestling with this whole idea of, God, why are you allowing these evil people, the Babylonians, to take over and you're not doing anything about it? It just keeps getting worse. Have you ever prayed before and it just kept getting worse? You're like, I just need to stop praying, right? I remember praying when I first got saved for my dad to stop drinking. He was a raging alcoholic, and it just got worse. <laughs> and then you hear, you hear the whole thing. Sometimes it's got to get worse to get better. But, you know, that's, <laughs> that's what I felt like. But Habakkuk was asking, God, what do I do? It seems like you're not involved in my situation. It seems like you're not answering. In verse 1, the book opens up like this. It says, it's the oracle that Habakkuk the prophet received. That word oracle actually means an utterance, a doom, or a burden. The whole book is a burden. It's a story of a man's burden 
who was close to God, who struggled watching the injustice of people in the world and what they were facing. And let me tell you, this is so important for us too, because we're going to face the same things. He asked the questions in verses 3 through 5. He says, why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong? Can you like feel the tone of this, right? It's not like, oh, Bible verses, you know, uh, Jeremiah 29, 11. I mean, this is like tough. He says, destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked him in the righteous so that justice is perverted. He was ticked about what God was doing in his life and what God was doing in the situations around him. He was upset with God. And where Habakkuk was at, if you have any, look at your notes there, you have this sideways S. It's actually called an S-curve. And in that S-curve, uh, there's the lowest point. You see that lowest point? If you have a pen out, put a mark in that lowest point there. Because that lowest point represents valleys in our lives. It actually represents where Habakkuk was at. And it's times in our life we're going to hit those low low points there's times when we're going to wrestle with God and ask questions but let me encourage you it's okay to ask questions you just got to ask the right questions it's okay to say God I don't understand what's happening but you just got to in the valley learn to respond the right way and Habakkuk was in the dip have you ever been in the dip before maybe you're in the dip today if you're not in one now guess what? One's coming because that's how life is. You go from mountaintop to valley to hills, right? You have three levels of life. And there's many times we hit those valleys. And in 2017, we want you to have a blessed 2017. We did a whole series called The Blessed Life. But let me encourage you. I want you to have a blessed 2017. But one of the things you're going to face is you're going to face things you never thought would happen this year. Why are you speaking that? I'm not speaking. I'm just telling you what happens. And for many of us, we are never prepared for what happens in the dip. We're never prepared for what happens in the valley. And we have to realize that sickness and tragedies and things are going to hit. Injustice is going to happen. And we're going to have to look at it just like Habakkuk and wrestle the right way, the same way that he did. And what I want to do is help you today to figure out how do I wrestle in the valley? What do I do when it seems like God is not involved anywhere? What do I do when it seems like injustice is prevailing, the wicked are prospering, and I'm suffering, and I don't know why? I want to help you with that because Habakkuk struggled with that as well. And I want you to I want to encourage you here at this church. You can share your struggles and doubts with God. Amen? You've heard the old saying, you doubt it, you do without it. God is a big boy. If you actually read the Bible... The greatest men of God looked at him and said, God, why? I don't understand. They questioned. Even in Matthew 28, 17, I love it, when the resurrected Jesus is standing with his disciples and they all are seeing this risen, the risen Savior. And Matthew records this. The apostle Matthew writes, some worshiped and some doubted. So you're telling me that in the presence of the risen and resurrected Savior, in that worship service, some people doubted? It doesn't say Jesus walked up and said, let me tell you something. But Jesus was okay with that. Thomas went up to him and said, I doubt. I don't understand. And in life, you've got to be okay in your relationship with God to say, God, I just don't get it. 
and it's okay to verbalize. He's a big boy. He can handle your little questions. He can handle your doubts. You can climb up on the top of a mast like Lieutenant Dan in a storm, and you can, you know, question God and raise your fist at him. It's okay to do that. But you've got to learn to wrestle the right way when you're in the valley. Habakkuk's problems with God were this right here. The first problem he had was this, and maybe you felt this way. You don't seem to care, God. You don't seem to care. He was watching his people, man, going through extreme persecution. Like I said, worse than Nazi Germany, worse than anything we've ever seen. The Babylonians were wicked, wicked, sacrificing babies. I mean, man, it was terrible. And he looks at it and he's like, God, do you not even care? I'm watching, I'm watching them die. And you're not doing anything about it. Why are you not involved in this situation? Maybe it was a season in your life you felt like God didn't care. You're hurting, you're in pain, you're crying, you're lonely. And you're just like, God, where are you? Do you not even care? Are there bigger things you need to deal with? Do my little issues not matter? But let me encourage you, your issues do matter. God cares about every detail of your life. But there's times you, you feel like, like Habakkuk, you don't seem to care. The second thing he wrestled with was this. You aren't doing much when you could. If you're all powerful... If you sit on the throne, if you're in control, God's in control, amen? We don't know the future. We, um, you know, we don't know what the future holds. We know who holds the future, hallelujah. But there's times when nothing's happening. You're saying, God, are you like an old grandpa there? Like you're loving and you're kind and you care, but you can't do much? That's sometimes what it looks like, right? When you see injustice happening, when you see things in your own life happening, God, why aren't you doing much when you could? And that's what Habakkuk was wondering. Why aren't you doing more? Some of our friends that walked away from Jesus, maybe even today you're sitting there and you're saying, well, if you're all powerful, why don't you just go and fix everything, God? But here's the third struggle that Habakkuk had. He said, what you are doing doesn't seem fair. What you're doing doesn't seem fair. I mean, you're praying, you're serving God, you're doing all you can, and the wicked people seem to get blessed, right? Have you ever seen that before? The person at your job that you know is cutting corners gets the promotion when you were praying for that promotion. You're like, God, you're not fair. Now, here's the thing about being fair, and Pastor Keith referenced it a little bit um, during worship, is that God is just. He's not fair. Now, how do we know that? Because I am five foot five and a half. That's why I stand on the stage and preach so y'all can see me. And I don't have any hair. I don't shave my head because I want to. I shave it because I have to. Because if not, there'll be a landing strip right up here, right? I'm like an 80-year-old man with my hair. And so, so every time I look at somebody above five foot seven, every time I see someone with a head of hair, you know what that reminds me of? God is just. God is not fair. If, you know, if God is just. God is not fair. Uh, if he was, we'd all have hair. <laughs> I've actually thought of that. But that's not the way God works. He's a just king. He's a just God. And he sees the big picture. He sees from, from the day one of the start of the universe, from day uh, you know, when it ends at all. He can see all that. We can't. We can't see the story. And see, Habakkuk couldn't see the full story. 
Habakkuk didn't know what God was doing. From a limited perspective, he was cursing the eternal God. From a limited, limited perspective, he was raising his fist at God. From a limited perspective, he was trying to figure out everything from the one scenario. And what you're going to find out in the, in the days to come as we look at Habakkuk is he gets perspective in chapter 2 and 3. And he asks the questions and God answers and says, I want to use you, Israel, to have my glory fill the earth. I want to use you, Israel, in a way you've never seen before. But where you're at right now, I can't do that because you're disobedient. See, their disobedience got them into that, uh, that junk. They were worshiping golden calves and they're trying to be like the cultures and nations of the world and that got them into that. If, if God's glory was going to work through Israel to be spread everywhere, he couldn't use them as they were. And so when you're going through a tough situation, when it seems like God is not involved, when you're praying for a spouse or for your children or for finances or for healing or for, uh, for me, I pray a lot for our nation. I pray a lot for our community. And what I pray for is this, that God would spark a revival and save people. That's the number one thing that has to happen, the most important thing. But when you're going through something, let me tell you, you've got to learn to ask the right question. Many times, here's what we ask. You ready? God, why am I going through this? Have you ever asked that? Got, some, got a couple of honest people, the rest of you all liars in church, and God's going to strike you down. But we're all like, why, why am I going through this? Now, now, number one, let me help you, and please don't get mad. Please come back next week, because next week's message is really good, and this could make you upset. Please don't get mad. Here's the deal. Are you ready? You're not the only one that's ever been through this in the history of people. You're not the only one who's going through this right now in your life. And if, believe it or not, there are people who have it worse off than you in your life. And when we say, why am I, you know, why do I have to experience this, God? Really, it's a little selfish. Because we, ex we expect to serve a God that never gives pain, and never, or not gives pain, never allows pain, never allows suffering, never allows anything bad to happen to us. The question you've got to ask, and I've got to ask is this, when you're going through that dip, when it seems like God's not involved, you've got to ask the question, God, what are you trying to do in me through this? Because the truth of the matter is that the Bible says in Romans 8.28 that God does work all things together for the good of those um, you know, who are loved and called according to his purpose. But in Romans 8.29, we never quote that, is to conform us to the image of Christ. Everything God's doing, everything God's working in our lives as believers is to conform us to the image of Christ because God wants, just like Israel 2,600 years ago, He wants His glory to go and shine through our life. He wants His glory to impact the earth. But here's the issue. The way that we are currently, God can't do all He wants to do. So you've got to ask the question, God, what are you trying to do in me? And let me tell you, when you're going through pain and suffering, don't ask the wrong question. You know, here's the thing. Here's what God was telling Habakkuk. He said, I'm going to use your enemies to increase you. I'm going to use the very things that are coming against you to create in you something you've never had before inside of you. Here's how that works. I actually have an illustration for many of you who... Um, Weights aren't fun. Some of y'all like weights. You're just crazy. I like cardio. But have you ever, like, taken time off? Some of you probably did this. Have you ever taken time off, like, from the gym, and then you go and you lift weights, especially free weights? Look at this. I'm, I'm actually logging this in my fitness pal. I'm going to log three minutes of lifting weights. But have you ever, like, and then, like, you're lifting weights, and the next day, what does it feel like? I mean, you literally show up at office, and you're like, 
I'm good, man. I went to the gym. And you're hurting, right? You're like, man, this hurts so bad. And many people quit, um, you know, getting in shape and exercising and using weights because it hurts so bad. The, the thing is, here's what weights does. Weights actually tear muscles so they can rebuild them. And it's resistance. That's all weight is, is resistance. See, the resistance you're facing, if you learn to respond the right way, let me tell you something, God will strengthen you inside. God may have to tear some things, but he's going to rebuild some things. Amen. God may have to tear some things down in your life, but he's going to rebuild some things. And what, listen, what God was saying was this, I have a 50-gallon vision for you, Habakkuk, but you have a five-gallon container right now, and I've got to expand you, and I've got to increase you. When you're going through a situation where it seems like God's not involved, you've got to pause and say, God, what are you doing in me? Why does it hurt so much? Why does it hurt so much? And God says, I'm just increasing you if you'll respond the right way to me. If you'll learn to say, Lord, shape me. Lord, Lord, mold me into your image. It's all about perspective. And many times, like Habakkuk, we just live in Habakkuk 1. You know that? We just stay in Habakkuk 1. God, why? Why? I'm never going to church again. We never live in Habakkuk 2 and 3. Where God begins to give perspective to Habakkuk. And show him the big picture of what's happening. I went through a a season in my life, and many of you know the story, and I shared earlier. I literally went down to, to Florida on faith and planted a church with nothing from nothing. And man, I tell you, what is the hardest thing ever, I'd ever done? And in the middle of that, my mom gets diagnosed with terminal cancer. I mean, literally, you know, we're living off $1,500 a month. My wife and I were. She was in school. It was really bad. I worked 60 hours a week and was planting a church. And I went through a season in 2011 where I completely burned out. Everything was happening the opposite of what I prayed. It was really a terrible time in my life. And I remember doing devotions because, you know, it's almost like going to the gym when you don't feel like it. I'm doing devotions. I'm like, God, I don't know what you're doing. Everything I pray for, the exact opposite's happening. The exact opposite. It was, it was terrible. If you've ever been through burnout and depression, it, it, you know, it was really bad clinical depression, uh, situational depression. And I remember the Lord really sharing with me and telling me, Kevin, in this time I'm doing something in you I could not do without this time in your life. I remember sitting there with my mom and watching her go through what she was going through. God, why? God said, you got to start stop asking that question. Look around in hospice, baby. There's other people here going through the same thing. The question you've got to ask is, what are you doing in me? And can I tell you something? On the other side of all that, with perspective, I get to coach church planters now because I can speak their language. I've unloaded trailers. I've lived off nothing. I've watered down milk to, to, you know, for my family. I've done those things before with no money. I've been through burnout. I've been through depression. Today I have a compassion in me for those who are suffering that I never had before. That's why teenagers sit sometimes and like, mm, can get over this? They never had to watch somebody shrivel up and die of cancer and take care of them. 
They've never had to, 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 to go through tragedy and loss. But when you've been through that, God creates something in you if you respond the right way where you can begin to help other people and you begin to pour into other people and God literally shapes your purpose through those situations. But it's all about perspective. In the valley, it seems like God is not involved. It seems like God is nowhere to be found. But can I tell you, when you have perspective, you start seeing God is involved. And what he's doing, if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus, is he's shaping your life and he's molding you for a greater purpose so you can pour into other people. But where you're at right now, he can't use you. He has to stretch you. Some of you have seen this. I'll close with this here on the screen. You've seen where it says... And, and you put the word up there um, the next yeah you've seen this here and there's two ways to look at this this word for some of you it reads God is nowhere and that's how Habakkuk felt God is nowhere for others of you you can look and you can see God is now here and when you're going through a struggle in your life, ask God to give you a divine perspective. Because when you're saying, God is nowhere, why is this happening to me? Why have I got to experience this? When you get the Lord in His presence to really speak to you and shape you, you then look and see God is now here. And friends, can I tell you something? That was one of the most beautiful times of my life was sitting with my mama. And we had the we had worship music on and old hymns on, and she's raising her little frail hands, laying in that bed, dying of cancer, praising Jesus. And you know what I thought about? I said, you know what? It feels like God is nowhere, but I realize God is now here. You know why? Because this is a glimpse of what she's going to get to do for eternity. It changed my perspective. And on the other side of it, I see how God shaped me and molded me. Let me tell you, there's more potential inside of you. God wants to use you. God wants to do things in your life. And He is everly present and involved in every situation you're going through. But you've got to pause and sit back. And just like back at what look at next week, He climbed up to get a higher perspective to say, God, please show me friends, I want to tell you, in your life right now, God is now here. He is involved. And even in that wicked situation, 2,600 years ago, where an Old Testament prophet was like, God, what are you doing? When you look at the whole story, we have salvation today through Jesus because of all that. We have the promises of Scripture because of all that. God saw from Genesis to Revelation, Habakkuk only saw his situation. And let me encourage you today. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're facing. But I want to encourage you this. Ask God to give you perspective. Ask Him to show you how He is now here if you feel like He is nowhere. Amen. If you will stand to your feet this morning, I want to pray for you before we go into a time of worship. Father, thank you so much that you didn't inspire our holy book to be a bunch of rules and laws by people who seem to have no problems. We thank you, Lord, for the book of Habakkuk, that 2,600 years ago, a prophet had a conversation with you. He was struggling. He was struggling with the injustice. He was struggling with the violence. He was struggling with everything going on to his people. 
And he began to ask questions. Father, I pray today that there are people in here that have gone through things, that are going through things. And folks, you will go through things this year. Father, I pray for those who will go through things this year that you will help them in the dip, in the valley where it seems like you're not involved to give them perspective, God. We thank you that you said you would never leave or forsake us if we follow you. We thank you that you said, Lord, that you will be with us to the end of the age. And we never have to question that. I pray today that you would give divine wisdom, spiritual wisdom, knowledge and understanding to every person in here God I pray for their perspective right now for them to look to you for them to cry to you and to see your power shown forth God thank you Lord that you are now here in our situations in our pain in our ailments in our loss in our tragedies you are with us and you're shaping us and you're molding us and conforming us to your image thank you for the resistance for our very enemies are serving you, God, to increase us. We praise you, God, for that. As we're praying here today, church, we're all in here just seeking God. Maybe today you've come in to thrive. And you know that you've not given your life to Jesus. You know that you are not a solid follower of the Lord Jesus. Maybe you have never committed your life to Christ. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. Maybe you have and you walked away. It's a new year. It's a new day. His mercies are new every morning. And today, if you want to say, Kevin, I want to recommit my life to Jesus. I want to give my life to him. I believe he is Lord. I believe he died on the cross. I believe he rose again. I believe he's coming again. If you want to give your life to Christ today, just slip your hand up between me and you. Slip your hand up and say, Kevin, that's me. I'm making that decision today. I'm not going to embarrass you, call you out. I'm making that decision. I want to pray for you right now where you're at. And I want you to repeat this confession of faith, this prayer after me. For The Bible says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, 10, for if you believe with your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. And so I want you to pray this with me. Father God, I admit that I am a sinner. But I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that He is Lord. I believe He's the only way to heaven. I believe He died on the cross and rose again to wash away all my sins. I repent of my sins today and I confess Jesus as my Lord and my Savior and I commit to live for Him for all the days.